The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. All right, what's going on, everybody? Today on the show, are we putting too much faith into quarterbacks who have had one good year and running backs who have had about six good games? Uh, It's going to be a fun show today. It's a good day. It's a beautiful day. It's a new week. I got a haircut. The weather's nice. Easter was great. Heath didn't win the March Madness pool. Everything is just beautiful. Good morning, guys. What's up, Heath? Yeah, I, I like I said last week, when you're as chalky as my bracket was, you need absolutely everything to go right. And Baylor crushed Houston and crushed my hopes. Congratulations to whoever wins. <laughs> uh, Jamie, uh, how about that shot, that Gonzaga shot? It was awesome. It was, uh, it was a fun game, one of the best college basketball games I think anybody's ever seen, and certainly one of the best endings. So um, I'm hoping, uh, you know, we're obviously recording this before the championship game, so I'm hoping the championship game is just as fun. But uh, great, great drama and just, you know, fun seeing it all unfold. That was really awesome. And, yeah, looking forward to tonight. Um, I thought UCLA got hosed a little bit. I thought that the charge call at the end of regulation was should have been a block, and UCLA probably should have won the game. Well, Yeah, there like, was some questionable calls, but that happens. And you did get hosed a little bit if you lose on a banked-in 40-footer. Like, a great shot, awesome moment for sports. It sucks for the UCLA guys. It does, but it was also a tie game at that point. It's not like they would have won had he not made that, but yeah. Um, tremendous, tremendous game. Had to wake my wife up to watch the ending. I was like, you got to watch this. She fell asleep. Uh, she woke up like with 20 seconds left around it, and then she fell asleep with about 10 seconds. I was like, no, stay awake. You have to watch this. And then, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Even she was like, this is incredible. All right, so news and notes. We'll do this quickly. We got a lot of emails. I'm trying to clear out the inbox because you've sent a ton of emails, and I haven't been able to read them on the show. So we're going to like eight of them today. But let's start with the news and notes, and then I'll ask some rankings questions about year two running backs, about young quarterbacks, about the 49ers about Ryan Tannehill versus Kirk Cousins, and one other thing. Uh, first, let's start. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to open camp as a starter, but there will be a competition. I don't know that we even need to react to these things, so if you guys want to hop in, just hop in. Uh, Deshaun Watson is now being investigated by Houston police. I'm not sure that this is a major change. Just There's a criminal complaint. So anyway, we still have to see how this situation resolves itself. Denver expects offensive tackle Juwan James to play this season. He opted out last year. That'll help for them. A couple of quarterbacks had minor surgeries. Matthew Stafford, minor thumb surgery. Tom Brady, minor knee surgery. Here's one we can react to. Jamie, Bruce Arians said he expects Keyshawn Vaughn to have a breakout season. What do you make of that? That would be the number three running back on the Bucks. Keyshawn Vaughn, year two guy. What do you make of that? I expect you to be a good co-manager of our fantasy <laughs> baseball team. So... <laughs> Both those things probably not going to happen. Um, look, Keyshawn Vaughn was someone that I was kind of hopeful for, certainly last year. 
Uh, but even this offseason before the Leonard Fournette resigning, because I thought, okay, if it's Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, you know what Ronald Jones is. You know what his role is with Bruce Arians. And uh, obviously he's been great whenever Fournette has not been on the field, but just getting another guy an opportunity to maybe take some of those reps and maybe get an opportunity to showcase himself. But with three guys there, it's going to take an injury probably for multiple games for him to have an opportunity to even get on the field for a significant stretch. So unless the Bucks lose Jones or lose Fournette for any period of time, it's hard to see Keyshawn Vaughn having a significant role. I still would hold him in dynasty, but uh, it's it's going to be probably another lost season of him being productive, barring an injury. I, I think there's a chance he could be the best second year back relative to his rookie year production. <laughs> now, what about what about this scenario? <clears throat> He's actually the best Bucks back because Jones and Fournette split the early down work. He's the third down guy. He's the only one who catches any significant amount of passes. And we're like, well, we're going to sit both Bucks running backs because they stink every week. You can't predict them every week. But he, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's a number three guy in PPR. What about that scenario? I just don't know why we would think they're going. They threw 10 passes to him last year and they threw the ball to Leonard Fournette like 75 times. And those 10 passes, he caught half of them and averaged 3.4 yards per target. So well, it's how not else like he is he going to break out, Heath? Yeah, I, I think it's like it's just Bruce Arians. Like I thought this was you just put that in the notes so we could all giggle and then move on. Okay, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, I guess what I gave out was worst case scenario. Matt Nagy is going to call plays in 2021 to kind of split worst case scenario. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh, you don't like this? I don't think it changes very much. But you know, he was he was the play caller for them when they made their playoff run, uh, his rookie season as the head coach, and then things fell off the rails last year. So. Who knows? I mean, it's all going to come down to Andy Dalton. If Andy Dalton's fine, this offense will be, you know, probably better than we anticipate. If if Andy Dalton's Andy Dalton, bad Andy Dalton, then uh, it's probably going to be a, a frustrating season for Allen Robinson and David Montgomery in particular. Yeah, someone had tweeted, and I, I don't know if I can find it fast enough, but like the Bears offense and how much better they were um, they averaged 19.8 points per game when Matt Nagy called plays, 27.7 when Bill Lazor called plays. They averaged 82, year, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, 82 rushing yards compared to 129 under um, Lazor. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, it wasn't good last year compared to the other option for calling plays. So, Lazor was calling plays late in the year? Yes. Yeah, when the schedule was right, that's junk. when the schedule was, when all the run defenses, the, the bad run defenses, they all decided to play the Bears. Uh, and then David Montgomery ran wild, but it is, uh, it's interesting. And Andy Dalton is going to start for the Bears. Matt Nagy confirmed he will, at the very least, enter as a starter, but plan is for Andy Dalton to start. Okay, a week unlike another, or that's probably supposed to be any other, is finally here. The Masters returns to Augusta National, where Dustin Johnson will defend his green jacket. Go join the First Cut Golf Podcast, where the entire crew is previewing this year's tournament. From storylines to picks and even daily fantasy advice, the First Cut has you covered. The First Cut Golf Podcast is available wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you go to cbssports.com slash podcast, you can see all of our shows. And we've got really something for everyone. You've got golf, you got combat sports, you got football, you got baseball, you got uh, just basically a gambling, a great gambling podcast. Um, nothing personal uh, with David Sampson, all things covered with Bryant McFadden and Patrick Peterson. Outstanding lineup of podcasts. Please check it out. Jamie thinks I'm a bad fantasy baseball co-manager. Not thanks. 
<laughs> knows. First off, all right, Heath. I had two. Okay, all right, fine. You could. Jamie's gonna frame it in an inaccurate way, and then I will come all and right, clarify. You frame it your way, and I'll tell you where you're wrong. We had two open roster spots on our team, and because we were moving players to the aisle, you already skipped over part of it. And I picked up two players with those open roster spots before other people could. I wanted to beat the rush. Uh, First off, waiver, Heath, is in, Heath is in the league. No, he's not. You're not in the league anymore? No. no. Oh, okay. So, in any event, we were trying to finish up the draft before the start of the season, and Adam, as the commissioner, decided that he was going to do a – we did a slow draft. We always do a slow draft. Adam was going to do a one-shot draft to finish up the, the rest of the, the draft. And uh, didn't include me in the picks that we made. Okay. okay. Again, completely <laughs> inaccurate. What I did was I said, the season starts on Thursday. We're doing a slow draft. We have been doing it for like a week and a half. And mm-hmm. I said, if we're not done by Wednesday at 4 p.m., we're going to do a live draft with one minute on the clock. Wednesday at 4 p.m. You know how many picks were left? Six picks. The into- One half of one round was left. We was almost, one of those picks your teams? Yeah, one pick. Okay. And all we needed was a catcher. So I took the so, highest rated catcher, and that was it. Yeah, they didn't include me. So that, from my understanding. In the, in the two ad drops. Didn't include me in the team name change. That's that true. he decided to do on his own. Then, <laughs> then he texts me last night and says, hey, I put in for two moves. Tell me what you think. So I go and I check. I disagree with both of them. I give him a suggestion of a I, player. I he, fell asleep. He totally dismissed my suggestion. I and fell then asleep. picked up the player who I said, I don't know if we should pick him up. No, I put the claims in and I fell asleep as you were giving your suggestions. Yep. So yep. I, I just want to understand four roster spots and a team name. Yeah. Uh-huh. So far. We um, we'd just, already. Just we'd, wait. And you, I, I want to make sure cause you're sharing a team with someone else. Uh, and you've just uh, done this without asking their permission at all. Mm-hmm. Well, we had already discussed only the one t- I know possible he, <laughs> response. You idiot moron! (laughs) I hate you! (laughs) We had already discussed the team name, though. Like I knew Jamie was on board with the team name. It was so far out of left field that I even said to him, hey, I think somebody stole our shtick of of how we name our teams. And he goes, no, that's us. We had already already talked about that possible team name, and the guy we named our team after is on our team. All right, well, anyway... I I uh I did some I did some bad things, but it wasn't as bad as Jamie makes it out to be. Okay, I, I'll take some <laughs> what responsibility. I, what did I elaborate? Well, you you acted like I picked half our team in the live draft. I picked our last pick, uh, which was a catcher. All right. So anyway, Jamie said Adam and I share a fantasy baseball team. He a changed the team name without telling me, and b made ad drops without telling me. What should his punishment be? Uh, you both scurp said or scrip. You both punch each other in the face. He'll hurt his hand, and you'll hurt his face. Perfect punishment. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Um, kick him out of the league. Heath said, name his team the idiot moron, and that's good. Um, eat a butterfinger. I'm not eating a butterfinger. That's just... It's your fault, Jamie. You should have expected it. I kind of agree with that one. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, this, there was some good... Shave his head. That's not happening. Make him do his show on his own, and he can't drop a single Azer stat. That would be tough. <laughs> <laughs> Make, oh, this is interesting. Make him draft a kicker with his first pick in the FFT League. I like that one. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, all right. Now, these were good ones. Thank you for, uh, for all of your horrible suggestions. Jamie's not going to punch me in the face. 
Okay, back to the show. Tomorrow we can talk about some of the pro football focus offensive line grades. The Giants had the worst pass blocking grade, and the Chargers had the worst run blocking. That was interesting. But here are some random fantasy questions related to your rankings. Let's start with this. Josh Allen had two seasons where he was not a very good passer. Uh, His second season, though, he was a good fantasy quarterback because he had a bunch of rushing yards and eight or nine rushing touchdowns, which he's had in all three seasons. Uh, And Kyler Murray was great. He was a breakout last year, was the number one quarterback in fantasy before re-aggravating his shoulder injury against the Seahawks. The question is, are we going to overpay for Josh Allen and Kyler Murray? Um, Heath, uh, it's a vague question. So I'll give you the, you can define it however you want, but are we going to overpay for Josh Allen and Kyler Murray? And just, you look at Dak Prescott, I would say is is more proven a little. Um, Russell Wilson certainly is. Deshaun Watson certainly is. And yet I think a lot of people will have Allen and Murray two and three. Uh, what do you think? Um, are we going to overpay for them? I think a lot of times we overpay for the guys right after the number one quarterback. Um, we've talked about that with the tight ends as well. Like once you get past whoever you consider to be in that elite group with Kittle, Kelsey, Waller probably. Um, and I, I think like you said, Josh Allen was not a very good passer for two years. And that's kind of was still true of Kyler Murray. Like his yards per attempt were still well below average. His touchdown percentage was still pretty mediocre. So I think there's a good chance if they're the number two and number three quarterback and they're going off the board like, let's say, a round after Mahomes or within the same round range as Mahomes, then yes, they're going to be overvalued. I've got them actually behind Lamar Jackson and in the same tier as Dak and Russell Wilson. I think Dak and Russell Wilson are probably going to go considerably later than those two. Jamie, what do you think? Are we overpaying for Josh Allen and Kyler Murray? Uh, I mean... Probably so, just based on the definition of what overpaying is, like Heath was saying. But I think, you know, the thing about it is, is there a defined two through five for really anybody, including people that are drafting? Because you can make a case for Lamar Jackson at two. You can make a case for if Deshaun Watson is playing and there's no issues at two. You can make a case for uh, Dak Prescott at two. You know, so it's not just, I think, those two guys and in the two, three spot. And I think that's where fantasy managers are going to play. The, the smart ones are going to play it right. And, okay, let somebody take two, three, four, five, and, and I'll just take six. You know, and, and that's, I think, the smart way to do it. We've also seen, which has played itself out uh, more times than not recently, you know, Aaron Rodgers last year wasn't drafted as a top 10 guy, was the number one quarterback. The year before was Lamar Jackson. The year before that was Patrick Mahomes. You know, so whether it's a young guy on the rise, like the, the the two young kids in Mahomes and Jackson, or a veteran guy that can still bounce back and play well, you know, that's, I think, the way you have to sort of approach the quarterback position. But we're seeing now, I mean, average draft position is telling us that unless it's a two QB or super flex league, they're starting to fall to round two, the top guy. And that's pushing the the other guys down. So when you say reach for those guys, um, you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the same case as it was a couple of years ago based on what the production has been. What, what do you mean? Sorry. I don't think we're seeing, like, you know, typically we would see maybe two or three quarterbacks go in the first round. Oh, okay, okay. We're not seeing yeah. that anymore. And, and again, I'm just going average draft position. You know, I think our audience is obviously a little bit smarter than that. Um, but the, uh, the, the novice average fantasy player, I think, is seeing that as well. So you think that people will not be drafting Josh Allen and Kyler Murray or anybody other than Mahomes the way they were drafting Lamar Jackson last, last year? 
No, because Jackson was coming off a record-breaking season. Um, Mahomes the year before was coming off 5,050. You know, I mean, it's hard to say that these guys are in that category. Now, they could get there, clearly. But, you know, especially with a 17-game season. But, you know, the quarterback position, you know, it's not just, you know, like we've been saying this for years. Other people have been saying this for years. The entire industry is saying this, you know, and, and it's, it's hard to go anywhere where you're looking for fantasy advice. ESPN, Yahoo, any of the other, you know, sites that we compete with. Uh, where everybody's not saying the same thing. You know, you may have one or two people that say, hey, go, you know, zag when everybody else is zigging, whatever the case may be, you know, take take the quarterback early and, and, and get that player. Somebody's going to say that, and that's fine. But the position is just so deep. It's, it just doesn't make sense to, to reach for any of those guys, as good as they are, as good as Mahomes, Allen, and, and Kyler are. It just doesn't make sense because we've seen regression. We've seen what happened to Mahomes. It was injury-related. His year after the 5,050. Lamar Jackson wasn't the same guy because maybe he was tweaking some things, not running as much until the second half of the season. Aaron Rodgers is going to fall off just by the nature of being a 37-year-old quarterback and and things changing for him. So, you know, the number one guy is not going to be the same. Uh, there's going to be four or five guys in the mix. Just doesn't make sense to reach for it for any of those guys. I guess I'm pretty interested to see what the order ends up being. Uh, you know, the ADP is going to change so much. Heath, I want to follow up on, on your Kyler Murray comment about his passing and what you make of the fact that you talked about his yards per attempt specifically. It was 7.1 in 2020. It was 6.9 as a rookie. So first of all, what's a good number? What do you want to see? I think last year, uh, league median was right around 7.5. It used to be that seven was pretty close to average, but as we've seen with passing in the NFL, we're just they're getting more efficient, and defenses obviously have had some things taken away from them in terms of stopping that. So I, I think if you're below seven and a half, then you were below average. Now okay. he does you enough know, with his legs where he's still an awesome. But but, but he was he was at seven point five seven, I believe, yards per attempt before that Seattle game. So that's what I wanted to get your take on. Because it was really two different seasons for him, right? I mean, he was the number one quarterback. He hurt his shoulder. He didn't hurt his shoulder in the Seattle game. He re-aggravated the shoulder in the Seattle game. And that's when he said that, you know, the trouble started. He's kind of downplayed it. But he was the number one quarterback in fantasy, on pace for 30 touchdown passes, I think, and about 4,200 yards, seven point, almost 7.6 yards per attempt. So in that average, slightly above average range. So... You know, what does that mean to you? And then it really tanked after he re-aggravated the shoulder. Yeah, I mean, I think that's relevant. I, I would still prefer to see him, like, have a full season where he's an above-average passer or even average passer. Okay. Uh, well, he, what what do you see typically from rushing quarterbacks? Because I would imagine that that number probably goes one way or the other. I, I would imagine it's not probably close to – because when quarterbacks break containment, you know, they're like Lamar Jackson's looking downfield, for example. You know, like, and, and, and Kyler, maybe not so much. You know, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm asking because I don't know. Uh, the other part of it is, I think, also with Kyler, and it ties into Josh Allen, what did you see these two franchises do? After year one, they added pieces. After year two, adding pieces. You know, so I don't know if A.J. Green's the answer to Kyler Murray. I, I would probably lean toward no, but at least it's something that's hopefully an upgrade of a player who can do some different things for this offense and help their young quarterback continue to grow. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a mixed bag. A lot of times what you see is that the running quarterbacks don't throw very much, and so their efficiency might look a little bit better. Now, Kyler's a different story. He runs a bunch and still might throw it 600 times. Um, but Lamar's at 7.5 for his career, which is pretty close to average over that three-year stretch. 
Um, Cam was at 7.2 last year and 7.3 for his career. So, but Cam played a lot of games in a league where the, the rules were a little different and the averages were a little worse. So for the most part, though, the running quarterbacks that you're looking at, at least the quick glance, they're league median or below. No, yes. uh, no. Well, well, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Deshaun Watson led the NFL 8.9 yards per attempt. Josh Allen was four, fifth, 7.9. Ryan Tannehill's fairly mobile, 7.9. Um, Russell Wilson, 7.5. And then, yeah, Lamar Jackson, 7.3. He was below. Kyler Murray, 7.1. He was below. I don't know who else you want to look at there, but... Well, I think like for like I was looking more at career numbers um, okay. or but yes, last year that was the case. I, I think like the point that you just illustrated there is the same point that, yes, they're mostly right around league average, maybe. But Kyler's been worse than all of them. OK, so next so question. Next question is about the year two running backs. This honestly might be the most important question. Uh, that we have to answer going into drafts. And it is, Are we? Or did the year two running backs really show you enough in their rookie seasons? Because seven of them are going to be taken in the first three to four rounds. And only one of them, who was an undrafted free agent <laughs> on the worst team in football, uh, only one of them, James Robinson, was consistent throughout the season. For the rest of them, it was really... A six-week stretch for a lot of them. Exactly six weeks, kind of strange. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And so, you know, I went back and I looked at all of the year two running backs in the last six seasons. I'll go through that research in a bit after you guys talk about it. But we are going to be investing very heavily in this group, Heath. Did they really show us enough, or are we taking a small sample size and putting too much stock in it with... For the entirety of the group, I know obviously Robinson's different, but Jonathan Taylor, James Robinson, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Zelaire, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift. What do you think? Did they show us enough as rookies? I don't. Again, this is more of a like, how what's the perception going to be when we get to July and all the drafts are happening? But because I've and I might be a wrong guy to ask. I think I have most of these guys ranked or projected similarly or worse than where they finished last year. Um, so I don't know, like. Yeah, I, th- I think it's questionable whether Jonathan Taylor showed us quite enough to be a, a top six pick, but he was also an elite prospect coming in, so that's a little bit different. But was he an elite prospect? That's the thing. You know, when you look at a he guy like... A, Joe Burrow, that's true. When you look at a guy... But but it's seriously. I mean, when a lot of the running back... Okay, does anybody realize, that we ever talk about this, the 2017 NFL draft class of running backs... Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, James Conner, Tariq Cohen, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones. Now, Fournette and McCaffrey were top 10 picks. I would say that Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon would have been first-round picks, but they had serious off-field issues, and they fell to the second well, round. Cook, Cook, no. There was there was some rumors about Cook. No, there were, they were ever, a lot. There were there was a lot swirling around him, but yes, but I don't think it was ever proven. Mixon's in a different category. I wouldn't put those two guys in the same category. Okay, that's fair. Mixon, we know what he did. Cook had rumors swirling around him about the people he hung around with, that kind of yes. stuff. So you're right. I shouldn't have characterized him like that. So thank you for correcting that. Um, but yeah, I mean, none of these guys were first round picks in 2020, except for Clyde Edwards either, who was the last pick of the first round. So when we're calling Jonathan Taylor an elite prospect, he wasn't a Barkley prospect. He wasn't a Zeke prospect. He wasn't okay, a Fournette he was not prospect. drafted like them for sure. 
He was not drafted. At like his it, but position, he, though, he was considered an elite prospect. Like we're talking about a guy that had just run for four thousand yards <clears throat> and thirty-seven touchdowns in his last two seasons. Yards a season. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and I, ran a four-three-nine. Like he had a ninety-eighth percentile forty-yard dash at his position. His speed score was even better. All right, that's you. You guys could be absolutely right about that. Um. Anyway, back to the question. Where were we? <laughs> Well, I think, I think it's just to go a little further, like it's such a different question for each of them. I think the Taylor Swift acres group, you could definitely ask that question about James Robinson. We're not going to draft anywhere close to what he showed us. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's not really a fair to lump him in there. I think Gibson and Clyde are probably going to get drafted pretty close to where they finished. Well, I think the thing to look at it is, just based on where things ended to where things are now, each of them individually, only one of their situations really got worse. And that's Swift. Because he gets a quarterback downgrade and better competition. As of now, nobody else got significantly worse. Now you could say Robinson maybe because of Carlos Hyde, just because there's somebody else there that's got NFL experience. But Akers gets a quarterback upgrade and loses a body because Malcolm Brown is gone. Edward Solaire loses a body, two bodies essentially, because Le'Veon Bell and Damian Williams aren't going to be there. Um, Akers gets the quarterback up. I'm sorry, I said Akers. Right. Gibson gets the quarterback upgrade. And, you know, I don't know if you want to say loses a body, <laughs> Peyton Barber being gone, but he loses a body. You know, so each of them have their own uh, individual situations. But, and, and, and for Dobbins as well, you know, he loses Mark Ingram. So all of them, I think, have. The arrow pointing up, for the most part, to me, Swift is kind of probably the arrow pointing sideways, uh, just because, again, of Jamal Williams being there. But I think all these guys have the chance to hopefully improve based on what we've seen. Is Peyton Barber gone? Yeah, Lamar Miller's still there. I think Barber was a free agent. Okay. Well, if you wanted to see some of the history with year two running backs, I looked at all of the year two running backs that were taken in the first four rounds uh, for the last six seasons. You had guys like Jeremy Hill. He was a RB eight. He was a huge bust. Um, you're just some of the failures. I've just there were plenty of success stories. But Todd Gurley, actually, believe it or not, he was the second pick overall, or so he was RB two. I think he was overall the second pick as well. And he didn't have a good sophomore year. It was weird. And he finished RB fifteen uh, and just got a ton of work. And but you know, it just remember that year just wasn't that good for him. Uh, Zeke was great. Uh, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard was fine. I mean, he he was RB nine, but he never had a year as good as his rookie year. He was a big play, explosive guy his rookie season, and he was just sort of a workhorse plotter after that. Uh, 2018 was following up on that amazing 2017 draft, and that one. I mean, Kamara was great. Fournette was good. He only played eight games. Kareem Hunt was great when he got before he got suspended. McCaffrey finished as RB one. Dalvin Cook. Wasn't great. He was RB eighteen per game, but Mixon was great. Injuries. Yeah, and I think he was splitting with Latavius Murray that year. So that was a great year for year two running backs. Two thousand nineteen, um, Carry on Johnson was that, a bust. Sony Michelle was a bust. Him, and then last last year, Jacobs and Sanders. And now I'm done. Jacobs and Sanders were a little disappointing last year. They didn't take that step that we were hoping. Right. Although Montgomery was awesome. Montgomery was all he right. He wasn't drafted in the first four rounds, but. Yes, and Melvin Gordon wasn't drafted in the first four rounds. He was awesome. There are plenty of examples of of great year two picks, but unfortunately, there's Jeremy Langford in there, and there's uh, there's some disappointments in there too. 
But I think that, you know, to compare it to the 2017 class, not that these guys are the same caliber of players, but it might be close. You know, maybe that's the question. That's where I was going out, with it. Yeah. That there's the opportunity for these guys to, to step into those roles. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, they're, they're going to be bust. That's just the nature of the position. They're going to yeah. be injuries. It's good. It's going to be a, a part of the process. And again, we're doing this uh, on, on April 5th. Hmm. The draft is still going to happen. So probably two of these guys are going to get ruined by competition from some rookie. Uh, or, or still, you know, there's a James Conner floating around. I don't remember else who's free agent still, but, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell or one of these, you know, guys that are, you know, veterans still looking for jobs. So something could could still ruin these backfields, you know, potentially dramatically. But at least for right now, they all look to be in relatively good shape. Again, except for maybe Swift, who's got um, some competition that could be annoying. Yeah. So guys like Thomas Rawls, Jeremy Lankford, Sony Michelle, Carrion Johnson, those are probably the. Wow, I can't believe they were drafted in the first four rounds. Carry on, I can believe it. It made sense. Like uh, I, I don't think that any of I think all of them have given us justification to draft them in the first four rounds. Uh, most of them finished as top forty picks last year, but I do think there's some debate as to whether um, they've given us justification to take them in the first round. But really, the only one that's going to go in the first round for sure is Taylor. Acres maybe at this point, but but Taylor's the only one I think you're going to see be drafted in the first round. And and again, you know, I, I guess you could say maybe he got worse because of Marlon Mack coming back and losing Costanzo. And maybe yeah. the quarterback's and downgrade, you know. So for he, some he, reason, Peyton Barber is still on the Washington football team. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> um, Don't know why. He shouldn't matter. But uh, but in, in, in any event, you know, you could say he got he got worse, his situation. But, you know, you're still talking about what hopefully is, is an elite situation for him. Uh, based on the offensive line still as a whole and, and the play caller. Okay, and we'll see where James Robinson ends up if the Jaguars don't add anyone significant. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we've got three more rankings questions, fantasy regulators, and your emails on fantasy football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Why is Ryan Tannehill ranked ahead of Kirk Cousins? Why do I even care enough to bring it up? That uh, The second part I'm not sure about, uh, but I thought they were kind of similar players, very efficient on low-volume, low-passing-volume offenses. But you all have Ryan Tannehill ahead of Kirk Cousins, even though 
Ryan Tannehill just lost his number two and number three weapons from 2020. So Heath, why is Ryan Tannehill ranked ahead of Kirk Cousins, who, by the way, threw well over 30 passes per game. 38 passes per game in his last eight games, and he absolutely crushed it. He was awesome. Uh, last two seasons, or since Tannehill's been a starter, uh, his 17-game pace is 4,200 passing yards, 36 touchdowns. 17-game pace? 18. Well, yeah, he's going to play 17 games this year, I hope. Eight interceptions. Um, Cousins basically has only been better than Tannehill the past two years in terms of passing yardage and only by 100 yards over a 17-game pace. Tannehill more than makes up for that on the ground and with his efficiency, particularly not turning the ball over. Cousins turns the ball over more. So mostly it's the rushing production, but I also wanted to give a 17-game pace so you would get flustered. <laughs> well, it worked. JV, why is Ryan's head ranked ahead of Kirk Cousins after losing Jadu Smith and Corey Davis? I mean, I keep moving him down. I, I I just don't know like where to me, Tannehill feels like the type of quarterback that'll play a full season and end up like eleven or twelve, but it won't be like a he won you your league eleven or twelve. Like he was great two years ago when he stepped in for Marcus Mariota. He was very good last year. I don't want to take anything away from him, but like you said, he's losing weapons. He's losing his coordinator too. You know, I, I don't think that should just be overlooked just because the last time they lost a coordinator, the guy stepped in and was and was fine. You know, we'll see if Todd Downing can do the same thing that Arthur Smith did, but we still have to see what they do to replace fully these two guys. I think Josh Reynolds is a nice add. I don't know if he'll produce as well as Corey Davis did. It wouldn't surprise me if he's better. You know, not that Corey Davis was awesome. He just was good. So Josh Reynolds could be better. I doubt it, but he could be. And then we'll see if Anthony Ferkser, if he's going to be the answer. But this is still a run-first team, and he's not the type of quarterback that you're going to ask to throw 600-plus times. It's just not the nature of what this offense and this team wants to do. So – it wouldn't surprise me if Cousins is better. It wouldn't surprise me if a handful of quarterbacks are better, you know, that that we look at. Like Roethlisberger, for example. I, I, he's going to throw more. He could be better than Tanner. It wouldn't shock me. I'm not going to rank it that way, but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I think what was re- just interesting to me is that we've seen uh, we've seen Tennessee have a bad defense, and they don't change their philosophy. At least they didn't under Arthur Smith. They still run the ball a ton. And it's overall— It's going take a Derrick Henry injury to change their philosophy. Yeah. And overall, the Minnesota didn't really change their philosophy much either. They were they had the sixth fewest pass attempts in the NFL, but last half of the season they threw the ball a lot and it worked. Kirk Cousins was great, so and I just wonder if they might turn him loose a little bit more. Well, you you're starting to hear Mike Zimmer maybe have to come around a little bit. You know, he's saying some things in his most recent you know press conferences, news conferences, that the NFL is changing, passing games are changing. You know, I don't know if it was necessarily related to a defensive question or an offensive question. I just heard his answer. So, um, but he was saying, you know, like passing games are, are are evolving, and you know, hopefully he's talking about his own because when you look at what the strength of this team is, it's Dalvin Cook first. So don't get away from that. But you have one of the young elite pass catchers that you saw last year in Justin Jefferson. You still have a very good complimentary guy in Adam Thielen, and I think if they turn Irv Smith loose. He would be one of the best playmaking tight ends in the NFL as well if they gave him an opportunity. So throw the ball a little bit more. Open up your offense. It'll open up your run game too. All right, next topic. Heath, you can kick this one off. No San Francisco player has more than five touchdown catches since 2013. And that was Vernon Davis who caught 13 touchdowns. Since then, five touchdowns has been the max receiving touchdowns for, uh, for 49ers. How weird is that and does that matter? It matters a little bit. Like, I don't think it means that nobody's going to catch more than five touchdown passes this year. I have two players projected to catch more than five touchdown passes, but 
they haven't, I've only got the last three years here in front of me. They haven't thrown for more than 28 touchdowns in a season, any of the past three years. And they notoriously spread the ball around. So I, I think it matters. It also kind of illustrates how much trouble a lot of the guys that they're counting on if had 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 staying healthy. Um, so it's it's relevant. I really think like George Kittle's got to have a an eight or nine or ten touchdown season at some point, doesn't he? Seventeen games. Maybe he'll catch three in week eighteen. Yeah, maybe he'll yeah. get six since they're playing a seventeenth game. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Kittle has played, I think, 16, 14, and eight games in his last three seasons, and he hasn't been able to get over uh, five touchdowns, but he has been on a 16-game pace for, I want to say, 1,200 or more yards every year. So, Jamie, if, if I could tell you right now that George Kittle was not going to catch more than, let's say, since there's 17 games, let's say six touchdowns, would you still take him in the second round? Uh, in PPR, yes. In non-PPR, no. So he's he's my third tight end. You know, I, I think Waller, as their teams are built right now, Waller has less competition for targets. So I think Waller is the better tight end. I had this conversation with two 49ers fans yesterday, and they, they're both like, you have Waller second? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> you know, because if Ayuk and Debo do what they're supposed to do and maybe catch more than five touchdowns as well, you know, Waller doesn't have that same level of competition. I just don't buy John Brown and, and Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards being better than those two guys. It's a little weird that you know two 49ers fans. In South Florida, no less. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I know one 49ers fan, but mm-hmm. yeah. Heath, how many 49ers fans do you know? I can only think of one, and he's in South Florida. Same guy, maybe? No, I don't think so, Okay, but it could be. All right, last topic here. Over the last two seasons, A.J. Brown has 19 touchdowns on 190 targets. Julio Jones has nine touchdowns. On 225 targets, you have A.J. Brown top five right now. You have Julio Jones. Jamie has Julio Jones 12th, and Heath has him 18th. But, yeah, this is just a fun one. A.J. Brown, 19 targets on 19 touchdowns on 190 targets. Julio, nine touchdowns on 225 targets. Uh, Jamie, discuss. I mean, it's the story of Julio's career, right? He just doesn't find the end zone, but... You know he's going to get a lot of targets. <laughs> that, I don't think it's going to change very much. Now, A.J. Brown's going to get a lot of targets if the pass catchers don't change significantly in Tennessee. But uh, this isn't – I mean, you should be drafting A.J. Brown over Julio Jones. That's that's clearly the, the way to approach it this year. But I don't think Julio's done. I don't think he's going to uh, uh, struggle barring injury. But that's been a problem for him. So hopefully Julio continues to get the targets. And, and maybe you know Arthur Smith helps him the way he helped A.J. Brown over the last couple of seasons. I'm going to try to make your Azer stat just a little bit better. Okay. Julio Jones, or A.J. Brown has 19, is that right? Yeah. Over his 190 career targets. Uh-huh. Julio Jones has 20 touchdowns over his last 543 targets. That's so great. That is a much better stat, by the way. 504, like, uh, I, but more for me also, like with the ranking thing, I project AJ Brown to have a career high in targets this year. And I project Julio Jones to have his fewest targets since 2016. So yeah, that that's like, that's a big part of it too. Now, if the Falcons really draft Kyle Pitts or a quarterback or don't take a running back in the first round or two, then I will adjust my expectations of the offense. They're going to run. Like if Mike Davis and Edo Smith are the planet running back, then I think, 
I'm probably just going to assume that he's going to a pass-heavy scheme. Wouldn't it be weird if Julio started, ended his career, he became this like 800-yard guy but caught eight touchdowns, or he caught 10 touchdowns or something like that? That would be awesome. Yeah, he became, like, started to go the Adam Thielen route or something. Okay, well, that's a fun one and uh, something to keep in mind. It's amazing how efficient A.J. Brown has been and inefficient Julio's been for so long now in terms of touchdown rate. So, FFT listeners, baseball season is here. If you want to run solely run the team that you are co-managing with your friend or just dominate your fantasy baseball league uh, that you are in by yourself, make sure you're listening to Fantasy Baseball Today in five. Stay up to date with all the latest news, the waiver wire advice, the pitchers to stream in just five minutes or less. Download and follow anywhere you listen to this podcast. That's Fantasy Baseball Today in five. Here we go. The Fantasy Cops are back. This is a weird one. From Chris. I have a rather complex league situation for you to regulate or at least discuss. One of the managers in our league started leaving empty spots on his roster during the week as a player from the previous week went on by or was injured. This was mildly annoying as opponents did not know which players they would be up against and were unable to easily assess their real chances of winning. This degenerated to him benching all of his players each week and in future weeks, bringing them off the bench on Thursday or Sunday morning. As the playoffs progressed and he continued winning, he continued this behavior, waiting later each week before putting players in his lineup, up to Monday night in some cases. Of course, we all secretly hoped for a power outage or an internet malfunction and for him to not be able to set his lineup and have empty spots. Sadly, no such luck. He went on to win the league. I realize that his behavior does not impact the scoring or which manager wins each week, but it does take some fun out of the league as managers are in the dark about their contest. I do not think there is any rule against this, but I'm interested to know what your onion is. It's a typo. uh, On this, and if you think there are actions which can or should be taken against the guy who will not put his starters in his lineup until the game starts. We need to give credit to this. I believe uh, C.D. Carter on Twitter is uh, someone who um, tells people to do this just to get in your opponent's head and really? mess with them. And it seems like this has worked very well for this guy. <laughs> I never even thought about that. It never occurred to me. Well, it would, this wouldn't impact you at all because you never look at your opponent's right. lineup. So Yeah, it, I just meant yeah. for myself, I had never thought about doing that to my opponent. But you're right, this this would never impact me. Yeah, I, there, there's no, this is just, don't look. Just wait for karma, because eventually one day something's going to happen on a Saturday, and he's not going to set his lineup, and then he's going to be like, oh, let me change one. Nope, sorry, you lose. Yeah, but why would the commissioner not do that, though? Like, if you had a power outage. Oh, yes, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, you mean if I had a power outage, I said, Jamie, I can't set my lineup, can you do it for me? I know you wouldn't do it for me because of, what no, I, I wouldn't the- do it for you because I'm a, I'm a fair commissioner and a good co-manager. You would not do it for me because you'd say, oh, we're, we're not even part of the same league. Yeah. Adam would just set your lineup for you and not tell you about it. That's, That's true. true. You're welcome. Change my team name. <laughs> I did change your team name in that, in that one league, right? You did. Yeah. And then I thought it was Nando and I changed his name. Oh, well, it was not. It was, Nando told me to do it. All right. So there's yeah. nothing you can do. This is weird. Karma will set in after he wins his third straight championship. Uh, so don't worry. We'll get it's also there. fun. It's funny. Yeah. Okay. Time for emails. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. This is from James. He says, Hey, Roman, Philip, 
Jacoby and Russell. I feel like those are NC State quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. It's going. Wow. I don't know who the Roman is, but yeah, good job. Yeah, I don't either. Roman Gabriel, two-time All-American, I think. Don't know him. 14-team PPR start three receivers, two running backs, and a flex. I can keep two of the four. Kittle in the second, Swift in the th- in the third, Edmonds in the ninth, and Higgins in the twelfth. T. Higgins in the twelfth. Keep two. Yeah. And it's PPR. Yeah, Higgins is easy, right? Yep. So Kittle in the second, Swift in the third, or Chase Edmonds in the ninth. I mean, if the Cardinals come out of this and Chase Edmonds is their starter, then that's the easy one too. But otherwise, I'd probably go Swift. I'd go Swift. Yeah. All right, this is from Kyle from the home of the garbage plate. I have no idea what that means. I know what plate. it is, but I don't know where it is. What is the garbage plate? It's like uh like what you would Im- like a really unhealthy, very delicious plate of food that just has all kinds of stuff thrown into it. I oh, believe. Rochester, New York. There you go. You should go. Okay, let's see. The garbage plate. Let's see what we can all right, I'm going to scan. It. I don't really know what's in it, but I'll try to find out. Here's the question. Uh, well, I don't care about the question anymore. All right. Uh, thank, okay. Keeper League. I'm going to keep Stefan Diggs in the fourth. I can keep any of these players for the next three years at this price. So I guess it's just pick one here. It's half PPR. It's seven points for a rushing touchdown and six for receiving and five for passing. With some bonuses factored in as well. Did you do well. the the names? Because I knew that. Oh, hey, Jack, Tracy, Liz, and Kenneth. Thank you. Appreciate it. 30 Rock. Yeah. All right, pick one. Dobbins in the sixth, Josh Allen in the seventh, CeeDee Lamb in the eighth, or Jalen Hurts in the 18th. And what's the format? Half PPR, seven points for a rushing touchdown, six for receiving, five for passing, 100-yard game bonuses, 50-plus-yard touchdown bonuses. And you keep how many of these guys? One. Dobbins in the sixth, Allen in the seventh, Lamb in the eighth, Jalen Hurts in the 18th. I think you got to go Hurts. Because the rushing touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to go Dobbins, but just because I feel like he's going to be... I'm just not 100% sure Jalen Hurts is going to be a good fantasy quarterback for the next three years. If Jalen Hurts gets eight rushing touchdowns, like Josh Allen did. I'm not sure that the garbage plate has a, is a specific recipe, but it's home fries, pasta salad, baked beans, mac and cheese, French fries, other similar. You basically put whatever the hell you want on it. Okay. I'm not really super interested. You should go. I don't. I have no idea where Rochester is. So near Syracuse, right? Sure. Uh, this is from Brandon. Dear Brain Gremlin, Vegetable Gremlin, and Electricity Gremlin. Those are gremlins. Where would you guys go with this? I could keep up to eight. Uh, I could keep up to eight of these guys as long as the combined value is below 15. Jeez, I don't know. It's this is be, fun. This is going to be tough. And this is easy. Okay. Kelsey, seven. Diggs, six. McCaffrey, four. Cup, four. Barkley, three. Godwin, three. Hunt, one. Antonio Brown, one. Oh, it might be A.J. Brown. I don't know. A. Brown, one. Crowder, one. Lazard, one. Goddard, one. Lynn Bowden, zero. Make it, make it add up to 15 or less. 
McCaffrey, Barkley, Godwin. That's 10. What'd you say, Heath? McCaffrey, Barkley, Godwin. And that's how much? 10. 10. I don't see how A.J. Brown could be one. It's got to be Antonio Brown. I think you have to keep 101. What'd you say? You You can keep up to eight of them. But they can't add up to more than 15. Kelsey's seven, Diggs is six. So that's 13 right there. You probably can't keep any of them. McCaffrey, Barkley, Godwin is 10. McCaffrey, so Barkley, guys that are less than 10? Kelsey is 14. Um, you could go. Kelsey is 14 by himself? No, Kelsey, Kelsey, McCaffrey, Barkley is 14. And then you can add like Kareem Hunt. The other three. Yeah, but. but if you go McCaffrey, Barkley, Godwin, you could also go Cup and Hunt. Cup and Hunt. Or you could go Cup and Goddard. Goddard's dollar? Yeah. And Hunt's his dollar? Mm-hmm. So you can go Goddard, Hunt, Godwin, McCaffrey, Barkley, and still have three dollars left? Yes. Would you rather have Goddard and three dollars or Cooper Cup? I don't know if there's anywhere to spend the three dollars. No, you're not going the three dollar route because nobody else is really worth keeping. Well, you can throw in an Antonio Brown there, right? If you want yeah. to. Mm-hmm. I like the way you curate these questions so that we get the best possible experience for the listener. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is from No Name. I'm going to be drafting in a dynasty superflex league. That's full PPR. Passing touchdowns are four points. How would you change your draft strategy because of the super flex position? I'm looking to get a young receiver like Justin Jefferson in the first or the second round. Would it be a mistake taking a receiver in the first round over a quarterback? Should I go QB QB in the first two rounds? So again, this is a dynasty super flex startup league. It's PPR passing touchdowns are four points. What do you do? How many teams? 10 or 12? 12. Oh, never mind. I don't know. Uh, the next question is 12. This one, I'm not sure. I mean, you're going to see, what, five to seven quarterbacks in the first round? Yeah, I was trying to get to it, but I like Mahomes, Kyler, Lamar, Allen all definitely need to go first round. Probably Dak, Herbert, and Burrow, too. Well, At least their second round. I, well, I don't know. No idea where Watson would go. I wouldn't take Justin Jefferson over any of those first four quarterbacks I said. If they're available in the first round, I'm taking Mahomes, Murray, Jackson, or Allen. Right, and if you're at the back end of the first round and you're looking at Jefferson and three or four of those quarterbacks, you take Jefferson and just take the quarterback that's available to you. Yep, I like that too. Last questions from Dave. Dear Jim, Joe, and Josh. Can you just ask us tomorrow on the show? <laughs> Are you on tomorrow? Yes. Okay. Dear Jim, Joe, and Josh. Unless you change me. <laughs> I love this power I have. 12-team PPR, uh, $250 salary cap league. You only have to start one running back and three wide receivers and a tight end and a flex. I can keep Jonathan Taylor for 19 bucks or George Kittle for 7 bucks. Or Sorry, for 12 bucks, 7 less. Uh, Jonathan Taylor for 19 or Kittle for 12 This is out of $250. What would you do? Taylor. I would keep Kittle. I'm not sure you guys have agreed on any of these emails today. Yeah, we just yeah, we agreed did. on the last one. 
Yeah, the and la- we agree that you're an idiot moron. <laughs> Do I still have? I don't know where that drop is. Uh, okay, well, you all know it anyway. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for your emails. Eight questions. Did you get to eight? All eight. One, two, three, four. Wait, one, two, three, four, five. I'll put five in here. How could that be? You said at the top of the show we're gonna get to eight emails. I thought I had more. All right, I'll do more. We got time. Ready? Let's do more. Give me a minute. You can talk about how was your weekend. So these are the ones that didn't make the cut instead of the one where we had to add up 14 players <laughs> to, to become $15. Look, I don't want to tell you how I choose what <laughs> emails make the show. I don't think people would like that very much. <sighs> well, now I think people are curious. How do you do it? It's the last thing I do. It's always scrambling to put emails in the show before it's time to go on the air, which is one of the reasons why I'm always two minutes late for every show. And I don't really get a chance to read them before I put them in the notes. I just copy and paste, and I hope for the best. And this one... You'll be happy to know that since you delayed this, Ian Rappaport has just tweeted. Are you ready? Yes. That Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones... (laughs) <laughs> Go on. We'll spend the week in Arizona working out with his team's offensive weapons. Whoa. All right, let's talk about bonus pot. We're going to do a bonus pot on that after this show. <laughs> All right, here's an email from Josh. Greetings, John, Eric, Chelsea, and Bell. This is apparently an excellent Netflix show. John, Eric, Chelsea, and Bell. By the way, you all have less than one month to watch Kingdom before it's off Netflix, so do it. That would... <laughs> That would be the the kingdom, the MMA show. This is John, Eric, Chelsea, and Bella from Bloodline. All right. uh, The question is, which side do you like better in this dynasty trade? Goff, Chenault, Hardman, and the eighth pick of the upcoming rookie draft, pick 1.8. Goff, Chenault, Hardman, 1.8. Or Jerry, Judy, and Josh Jacobs. Judy and Jacobs by a lot. Yeah. Okay, see, that was easy. Dan in Montreal. Dear Hawk, Rock, and the Kid. Wrestlers? Sure. 12-team Dynasty Superflex startup. Half PPR with kickers as draft picks in the rookie draft. Um, I lost control. I now have picks 1, 2, 3, 5, 6, 8, and 9 in the first round. Congratulations. Holy cow. I need help at all positions. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't understand. He says his wide receiver core is, is passable. How is this a startup? This is not a startup. He must have just meant rookie. Um, okay. So anyway, who would you target? I don't, this is so... Just take like take all the good players. What, I don't even know what to say. What's his? Did he say his boys' receivers are? He just says my receiving core is passable. Um, yeah, yeah, if Dan, don't do whatever you got to do. He has picks one, two, three. He has one, two, three, five, six, eight, and nine. <laughs> one, two, three, five, six, eight, and nine. So you're gonna get two potential running backs, one receiver, maybe Pitts. Maybe a quarterback. Uh, yeah, I I think you look at the team with the four pick and see if they are set at quarterback or tight end. 
And whichever one they're set at, you can leave Pitts or Lawrence for the fifth pick. So I guess I'll I'll tell you the part that I didn't read. The pick the, the guy who there's the same team has picks four and seven. If that matters. I mean it does to Heath's point, if they have quarterback and tight end issues. If they don't, then you know they're gonna be looking at running back and wide receiver. He's going quarterback, running back. That's the guy thinks he's gonna go quarterback running back. Well then I'd take Lawrence probably at three. Okay, there we go. Let's move yes. on. Last one, number eight, from Eric. Dear Wayne, Daryl, Katie, and Squirrely Dan. <sighs> NC State quarterbacks. I'm in a very competitive 16-team half, P- half PPR auction keeper league. Each team has $150 to fill their roster. Uh, three, three receiver league. Okay, so he's got 150 bucks. Here's who he's keeping. Lamar Jackson for 19. Jonathan Taylor, I'll just give you Jackson, Taylor, Akers, Dobbins, and Ayuk. That gives him $62 to fill out the rest of his roster. He's got Jackson, Taylor, Akers, Dobbins, and Ayuk with $62 left. Should I prioritize getting an elite tight end or and going cheap on my wide receivers and bench? Or should I spread my money out between middle-tier wide receivers, tight end, and bench spots? I guess the first thing to check would be, is anybody keeping one of the elite tight ends? Because if there's this much money available and this many keepers, probably Kelsey Kittle and Waller are going to be off the table. Or the potential of them being off the table. So, you know, do you want to overspend for Andrews or Hawkinson or Goddard or any of the other guys that you consider to be in the next tier? Or do you just want to sort of slow play it to see how the auction goes or the, excuse me, the salary cap goes? Um but you might you might want to try and get one top tier wide receiver and then one of those tight ends and then try and see if you could backfill the rest of your receiving core as cheap as possible. Okay. Cosign. Thanks for listening, everyone. Back tomorrow to talk about running backs with new offensive coordinators and maybe some PFF offensive line grades as well. And whatever news pops up, make sure you're listening to fantasy football today in five hey, as well. Yes. You know Daniel Jones. Go to Arizona. I want to work out with his receiver. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Wow. Porter's lack of humidity will help him hold on to the ball. <laughs> Trade him to Arizona. Well, I'll take that quarterback swap. Okay. Uh, see you later, everybody. Great outro. Bye. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.